When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan, and this is our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I almost forgot what day it was there, which uh, tells you we are right in the middle of training camp. Today the pads went on here in Berea, and afterwards Scott, Mary Kay, Ellis, and I got together and talked about it. We discussed Baker Mayfield's struggles and whether it matters. We also got into kind of what we were observing, what we watched, and what stood out. So that's coming up here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Now, if you are not a Football Insider subscriber, you've been missing out on newsletters, you've been missing out on texts, you've been missing out on exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash brown, so you want to become a Football Insider subscriber, you can do it. Now go to cleveland.com slash browns, click that blue banner at the top of the page to get all the information and get signed up. Okay, now our Tuesday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. All right, day six of Brown's training camp in the books, and we are here recapping all of it. Dan Lobby, Scott Patsko, Ellis Williams, Mary Kay Cabot. And let's just start here. Baker Mayfield today, you know, there's no other way to put it. He didn't look very good. And, you know, he, it got, got him kind of fired up. We heard him kind of yell some stuff. We're not really allowed to, to say what he said. We're not really allowed to report on what he said. But let's just say he was very fired up during practice. And he was very frustrated with himself, too, to be honest. So, the question I wanted to ask you guys is, like, does it matter? Does it matter when Baker Mayfield struggles in practice like he did today? Ellis, what do you think? My gut reaction, my immediate reaction is no. I, watching ESPN, you know, SportsCenter, NFL Live, Get Up highlights, there's clips of Patrick Mahomes throwing interceptions right now in, in Chiefs camp. But then you got to take a step back and remember, all right, one is Patrick Mahomes, one is Baker Mayfield. And today I saw a Baker that was reminiscent of a Jacksonville style Baker, one that is wickedly accurate at times. He had a great ball to Donald Peoples Jones on the sideline. And then at one point he had a speed out to Ryan Switzer and just it was way out in front of him. And maybe that's a timing thing. He's not repping with Odell. He's not repping with Jarvis. And of course, Ryan Switzer isn't going to be his number three slot receiver or whatever, but still for a quarterback to just miss a simple out like that in a walk-in five-yard situation, it's, it's a head scratcher. And it's like when the ball sailed out on him in Jacksonville. So you get this really effective, efficient Baker and you get this head scratching Baker. It is what it is to your point. I don't think it matters right now. I guess if he, you know, parlays a few of these together, we can be a little more concerned, but you know, week one is what matters. And then going forward. Yeah. I keep coming back to, the defense is better. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a, good a point. simplistic, a simplistic way of looking at it. But uh, I think it's it's a combination of that. And yeah, Baker hasn't been uh, particularly sharp maybe the last couple of days, but it's that it's it's an improved defense. It's guys he's throwing to guys who maybe he's not going to be throwing to very much during the season, or he's not as used to throwing to this much in practices. You know, uh, there are guys who are going through individual drills and not participating as much, you know, in the team drill. So that could be some of it. Um, 
I'm not ready to be overly concerned about it to answer your question, but, um, and again, we, Baker's one part of this. It's, you know, the receivers, it's, there's a lot going on, uh, but I'm not ready to, to say that this is an issue right now. It's the defense has definitely like come out a little bit ahead in, in their full team drills over the last few days. And, you know, all it takes is one practice of, of Baker hitting, hitting some big throws. And then, you know, we're done talking about this. So it's one practice today where he, I think maybe things kind of boiled over. Maybe, maybe it's a few days of building, but yeah, I'm not overly uh, concerned about it. Mary, can you tweet it? after Mac Wilson intercepted Baker, and then we're going to get to the linebackers a little bit later, but you tweeted something after Baker may have got intercepted in red zone. And I think that's also something to keep in mind here. So I guess, what did you tweet and what did you think? Well, you know, I really do think that, uh, that this camp, it, it's going to kick his butt a little bit. And that is exactly what he's going to need. If he wants to get to the level that he hopes to get to this season, if you want to, uh, get to the Super Bowl, which is what they want to do. Uh, you you have to be ready, and this defense is going to get him ready. Just watching Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett today. I mean, if you're going to go against guys like that in practice, uh, you are going to be really ready for your football season. If you're going to go against guys like uh, John Johnson the Third, Greg Newsom, and these guys uh, that are going to be knocking balls down, uh, you're you're going to get ready. And a mad Baker is a good Baker. Okay. Baker, when he gets ticked off at himself, uh, he, he comes out all guns blazing. Today was the first day in pads. He wanted to have a great day. Uh, it wasn't the kind of day that he wanted to have, but I'll tell you what right now, that's what Baker sometimes needs. He spent his whole entire life being doubted and wearing that chip on his shoulder. So I think it's great. I think it's great that he's not happy with himself right now. I think it's great that the defense is going to give him heck. Uh, I mean, even, even Mac Wilson's interception, Mac Wilson's gotten better than he was last year. Even the guys that were here last year are better than they were. Uh, so it, it's iron's going to sharpen iron this camp. And, and I think it's good that the Baker's a little mad at himself right now. With, with Baker too, is there a little bit of like, he's more of like a game quarterback. And what I mean by that is like when we watch him in practice and he has an off day in practice or whatever, okay, it is what it is. But when this guy shows up on Sundays, that, that kind of fire just sort of is organic, right? It just sort of shows up because it's a game. And I thought Cincinnati was a great example last year. Uh, he comes out, he starts, he was over the first quarter and then he just found this rhythm and he's very much a guy that gets into a rhythm. And I think sometimes it might be hard for him to find that rhythm when you're going through practice because it's so scripted. He can't get hit. I, it's maybe not a bad thing for Baker to get hit every now and again. Maybe it gets him going a little bit. So maybe there's something to this idea that Baker has to be good in practice, but like ultimately you just got to judge this guy on the games anyway, because that's where he's at his best. Dan, I, I completely agree. It's like you read my mind. We have this ESPN <laughs> thing going on to use the most overused Tina Fey joke ever probably. Um, I completely agree. And I'm going to bring this exact point up when we get to the D line. Cause I think it mirrors somebody quite similarly in terms of Baker though, add in the scripted place, add in the defense getting tired in the third and fourth quarter because they're running it down. The Browns are running it down their throats and the D line is tired. And then Baker can take off for three, four yards 
exactly it. He's a gamer. And in these isolated reps, you just don't get probably the best parts of Baker. So we're able to really pick him apart again, though, the best quarterbacks in the world are going to be able to look good 80, 90% regardless of the situation. But the result is the result, and that happens on Sundays, not at training camp. And Baker needs that fire, that game day stuff to really see his, his full talent as a quarterback. I completely agree. Yeah. A wise man once said, we're talking about practice. Uh, let's, just, <laughs> let's remember, they're not game planning out there. Right. The, the offense is going out and they're running the plays they want to run. And the defense is dealing with it. And if the Browns were game planning for their defense, obviously they would do things specifically and, you know, you would have a lot of different things to think about. So again, I, it's still early in camp. I don't think uh, a bad day or a few bad days uh, is much to, to get worried about. I mean, he had bad days last year in training camp too, and uh, figured things out during the season. So I would, I would be more concerned if they go out in the preseason. I think the preseason games maybe would be more telling of exactly where he is and where the offense is when they're out there with the, you know, with the starters. The other thing to consider, obviously, I mean, we have not seen one team rep with the starting offense altogether yet. We just have not seen that. Um, again, I think it's going to be good uh, for for a lot of reasons for word to be coming out of Berea that maybe everything's not perfect, right? I mean, yeah. like that's that's going to be good. You don't want uh, you know to, to have word out there that that Baker looks like a world beater and and everything's going to be great. They need to sneak up on the Chiefs. So it's not the worst thing in the world if the Chiefs think that maybe perhaps, you know, he's struggling a little bit at times in practice. Uh, The minute you get Odell, Jarvis, Nick Chubb, Austin Hooper, and everybody else out there all at once in the whole starting offensive line out there, uh, they're going to be just fine. I want to bring up another point with Baker too. And this harkens back. We always bring up 2019, but there's a reason because 2019 was like the contrast to what's happening now. And, uh, you know, Mary Kay, I'm sure you remember there were times in that camp when Baker Mayfield, if he was rattled, he'd yell at a receiver. Or, I mean, I remember watching him berate an official because he should have gotten an incomplete pass. And these are like, I mean, these aren't real officials. This guy was definitely not a real official, right? Now what Baker's doing is, He's kind of taking his frustration out on himself a little. He's going and talking to his teammates. He sat down and talked with Jarvis Landry for a long time after they, they kind of didn't connect on something. His approach is just so different, and his mentality is so different. And I've mentioned this before. He just seems like so much more of a guy that's going to go up and start coaching guys up and is going to take ownership of things. And I think that's just the maturity we've seen from Mayfield over the last two years. It's, yeah, it's not just it's not just the maturity over the last years that has a large that's a large part of it, but it's the fact that he knows the offense now. Last year at this time, he couldn't go yelling at anybody about doing something wrong because they were all figuring it out at the same time. He did not have the confidence to go up to Jarvis and say, "Here's what you need to do on that play." Uh, he didn't have the confidence to you know to do that to to anybody really. Um, but now. He knows the offense, so he can take ownership of it that way, and he can dictate who needs to be where and when, and, and I think that's a big part of it. It's the very first time we are seeing him in the second year in the same offense, and so now uh, he can kind of command things a little bit. I agree, and Dan, I love your anecdote about the way Baker's matured as a leader and then how that leadership manifests and comes out in the moments of anger and disappointment. 
this might be a fictional character, but all the greats take it out on something other than a person, right? Think Happy Gilmore, you know, get in your home. You know, you're mad, you're screaming at the ball. That's where Baker's at. He's so com- It seems he's so comfortable in this offense now and maturing that he can just get mad and talk to the air, talk to himself, talk to the football, talk to his right hand for not doing something right. That's what the real sickos and the real people who are tracing greatness tend to do rather than blame others and finger point. And I think it's a great observation by you. Okay, let's talk about some other stuff we saw. So, Scott and Alex, you guys kind of each watched uh, a different unit. So, Scott, let's start with you because uh, we mentioned Mac Wilson. He had an interception today. Mary Kay mentioned that, that he's playing better. I know Mary Kay has also written about how he's sort of been at Anthony Walker's, you know, hip, kind of going all the way back to spring. So, we've seen Mac Wilson interceptions in training camp and preseason games before, but tell us what you were watching today with the linebackers and Mac. Yeah, if anybody knows that it training camp performance doesn't exactly <laughs> matter as much as you think it does. It's Mac Wilson. Uh, you know, he's been the number one guy uh, weak side uh, out there, uh, whether it was Anthony Walker and, and him and, you know, Taki Taki early in camp, or now it's Jacob Phillips in there. Today it was Phillips and Mac Wilson. And I'm really upset that I can't like throw a Wilson Phillips uh, <laughs> reference in here. I do not know any of their songs, but I'm going to <laughs> learn them. If that's the, if that's the duo that starts week one. Uh, but yeah, he's he's clearly the the choice over Malcolm Smith, who uh, seemed a little frustrated today. Uh, he kind of there was some miscommunication on a pick play, and and then he got he was I think it looked like he expected to stay in there, and then it was clear they told him to go out. And I, I'm not sure where he is as far as uh, how the coaches view the depth chart, but it's certainly not at the top. And he had a really good year last year. He was I think top ten or twelve in like PFF coverage grade for linebackers. He really saved this team uh, in that regard. So uh, to have uh, Mac Wilson come out and, and kind of reclaim that, uh, that's a big step for him. Uh, he really took a lot of abuse online when they drafted JOK. I mean, like immediately after that traffic happened, you could see yeah. they were going after him. And he's put all that aside and had a really nice camp. He had the pick today and, and just good in coverage in general. Even when the ball isn't thrown to him, he's tracking his guys pretty closely and uh, looks like, you know, he's ready to pick up where, I guess, his rookie training camp uh, left off. Or, or we'll say the Arizona game, his rookie year, because that was probably his, his highlight. But he's looked really good, and I think that's that's got to be encouraging for a team that that uh, has struggled, you know, past defensive-wise last year. This coaching staff seems comfortable giving Mac Wilson every opportunity to prove himself. And a lot like, I guess we'll just say Baker today, you see Mac make a pick like that and I'll have to go back and watch uh, the video, the videos I shoot, but then you see him just, you can tell he's guessing in the run fit and you, it's a little disappointing when the pads come on. Cause that's when you should be able to feel it out more. But that again, is the point we're in training camp. He's working through that and he's going to get those opportunities. And at the end of the day, that's a beautiful interception on a really good quarterback throwing a laser of a ball in the red zone. Maybe Baker doesn't throw it in a real game. Who knows? But the point is he made the play and then took it 99 yards to the house, even though I'm pretty sure he was down by contact. But I don't know. We're going to have to watch the tape. And nobody was chasing him. You know, really, for me today, looking out there, and I, I really was excited to, to kind of see what uh, Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett were going to look like in pads together. I've watched these guys a lot over the last few days, talking to each other on the sidelines. 
exchanging trade secrets, showing each other pass rush moves. Uh, Jadavian just looks so comfortable and, you know, just like he belongs here. He's getting along with Miles, which is I mentioned yesterday, Miles, it takes a while to crack his inner circle. He, uh, you know, he needs to gain your trust before he's going to let you in. But uh, he is he and Jadavian are getting along really well in that way. And I think they're just going to be dynamite on the field. And that showed up today in practice. I mean, Jadavian was a load. He was a load to handle. I watched him a couple of a couple of times, just isolated on him going against uh, Jack Conklin. And I'll tell you what, the this offensive line is going to be has to be ready to play uh, after this. I watched uh, when Miles was out the other day. I watched Jadavian going against Jed Wills. Jadavian has his sea legs back, and he's got his confidence back, and he's feeling good, and he looks good. And I and I think that. Uh, I think he and Miles are really going to be uh, an unbelievable dynamic duo. Ellis, we were talking about this. I mean, he's been, the last two days, he's been getting the better of Jack Conklin. And I mean, we're talking Jack Conklin right now. Yeah. This is like All pro. a guy you can make an argument was the best offensive lineman on this team yeah. last year, probably him or Joel Gatonio. I voted him best. And yep. yeah, he's been, those two probably have a history right. with those Houston, Tennessee battles. He probably knows Jack Conklin really well, but still. To do this well against Jack Conklin, especially on a day with pads on, it says something. He makes it look easy. And Mary Kay, the word you use, comfortable, is perfect. Jadavion Clowney, after just one day of seeing him in pads and really a full week and maybe a quarter here of surveying him, I get the feel that he is what an athlete looks like when the only person that gets in their way is themselves. And with him, unfortunately, that's injury. Because when he's healthy – and can just go, y'all, it doesn't even look like he has to try. I'm telling you, he really does just – look, it's not every single rep. But the when they do pop, it's astounding, and everything else is rather consistent. And that's all you can ask for. And I'm, we'd have, I'd have to look at the schedule and maybe sort this out more, but I'm pretty comfortable saying from the number one and two edge rushing spots, I don't think these tackles are going to face a better edge rushing duo – on the schedule than they will at practice each and every day. And that's got to make Baker Mayfield feel great in the long run, even though he isn't getting much time to throw at practice right now. Scott, what have you noticed on from Clowney? I mean, is it, are you seeing the same things? Yeah. I mean, and he, and he switched sides uh, too. And that's something that you didn't see, I guess. Miles kind of drove that the last couple of years, uh, but now you're seeing it you know, when Miles hasn't been in there, but yeah, I think, you know, you're getting, you're getting those wild plays that you didn't see from Olivier Vernon. You know, Olivier was solid, but he didn't do the things that, you know, we're talking about on podcasts. It's, it's, you know, and, and now you have that on both sides of the ball. And even more important, if Miles Garrett isn't out there all the time, you don't have as big of a drop off. And when you're not like, you know, last season when Olivier Vernon kind of went on his tear, that was really surprising to everybody. If, if Clowney does that, it's not as surprising because I think you're kind of expecting him to have, that kind of an impact this season. Uh, one thing I want to note that I noticed, and it was cool today because we got to see lots of red zone. That's really what they did most of today. We were actually right there. We could hear a lot of things. We could see a lot of things. And I just noticed, especially during one red zone period, John Johnson does not stop talking. And I'm not talking trash talk. Like John Johnson doesn't stop talking. He recognizes things. He directs traffic as advertised, right? You know, there was some discussion about whether he would wear the green sticker or not. We'll see what happens. Maybe he will end up wearing the green sticker if Anthony Walker isn't back. But just hearing him direct traffic and call out what he was seeing and 
call out the plays, the routes, all of that. You, you like to hear that. You like to hear that vocal leadership out there, and you don't always get that opportunity. But today I think we got to hear John Johnson really just talk constantly. And it makes perfect sense why he was so valued in Los Angeles and why Brandon Staley, now the head coach with the Chargers, fell in love with him. I did a deep dive on Brandon Staley, like most people did in the, in the league last year when you really dug up the history on, on this young defensive coordinator. And he's really just a communication master. Now that's an oversimplification. He has great scheme and he's influenced by Vic Fangio and all that stuff. But at the top of it, of what Sean McVay would say about Stanley is that he was a master communicator. And then that trickled down into John Johnson and Troy Hill. And that's really value on a defense that you can't quantify at the youngest athletic level. You always tell like your coach and you fast. All right, guys, talk on defense. Same thing on football, talk on defense. And then a lot of guys get out there and they just don't actually do it. This guy doesn't stop moving his mouth. And like Dan said, not going to be talking trash because his mouth moves just as fast as his mind. And then his body keeps up with it while he gets other people in place. It's, it's going to be a blast to watch all year. Yeah. We, we saw that today on a play where uh, I think it was Hodge and it just ran across the field and Malcolm Smith picked him up early, yep. had, a, had trouble staying with him. And then Hodge kept running pretty much wide open. I think it was an overthrow. Uh, but after that, you could see them, you know, John Johnson and Smith and trying to figure out what what should have happened there. And you know, we saw last season, there were a lot of instances where people were trying to pass off a receiver to the safeties and it didn't work. And then after the play, everybody's like, you know, arms in the air and just who, who was supposed to do what on that play? Uh, and hopefully they remedy that. A couple walking touchdowns given up yeah. that way. Just to ask you this, speaking of John Johnson, the green sticker, all of that, we heard Anthony Walker today, Kevin Stefanski told us he'll be out a week, a week plus. So maybe not something to really worry about, but, uh, you know, who kind of steps up in his absence? Is it John, does John Johnson need to be more vocal because of that? And who else can maybe step up? There? Well, first of all, they did dodge a bullet with Anthony Walker not having a serious knee injury. So, uh, you know, that was great news uh, today. So good for that. Good for them for that. Uh, but there is a little silver lining in here with Anthony Walker being out for, for a couple of weeks. It really does give an opportunity for Jacob Phillips and some of these younger guys to get in there and to really get some good first team reps against uh, some really amazing first team starting players. So th- th- those are invaluable reps. Once you get out of camp, you're not in pads all the time anymore during the regular season. You don't get this kind of work. Uh, so it's it's actually almost a little bit of a blessing in disguise. Anthony Walker has done this over and over and over in his career. He doesn't necessarily need all these first team reps, but Jacob Phillips does. And some of the other young guys do too. So in the event that they want to work Jacob in as a starter at some point during the season, or in the event that Anthony Walker gets hurt sometime during the season, Jacob or whoever else works in there, he will be ready to play for what is happening right now. A week plus could be two weeks. That's the bulk of the rest of camp and and a lot of preseason. So, you know, I I actually think it's not the worst thing in the world uh, to let the younger guys step it up here. And then just in terms of leadership, Anthony was, Anthony's probably the best leader on the team, just in terms of pure leadership, but they've got really good level uh, leaders all across the board at every level of the defense. I see it all over the defensive line right now. Even Malik Jackson, newcomer, good leader. Uh, you know, you, you know, you see it at linebacker with some of the other guys. You see it with John Johnson. I mean, as you guys mentioned, John Johnson is 
probably in my mind, the, the second best leader or tied with Anthony Walker in terms of vocal leadership and teaching on the field. Uh, so he'll pick up the slack a little bit. And if he has to wear the green sticker, he'll, he'll wear it. Um, but there's enough leaders on this team to absorb this loss. It's a great point by Mary Kay, reminiscent of J.C. Treader's knee injury last year, I believe, and then Nick Harris getting a lot of reps. And then by week one, Nick wasn't needed until the back-to-back New York games. And I bet if you asked him, Nick would say that those reps while J.C. was out helped him be ready for New York. And here we are again just on the defensive side of the ball. It's a great point. Yeah, and you can see Jacob Phillips kind of taking – he was moving people around. He was making sure linebackers were, were switching and where they should be, making sure linemen are, are lined up correctly. So – you know, he was, he was trying to, to do that job and, you know, he's actually moving people around. Okay. There we go. Day six of Brown's training camp. The pads went on. I thought maybe one of the more interesting practices we've had, we've watched this year, just because maybe, you know, we were right there. They were doing a bunch of red zone. I just thought it was really interesting uh, as far as the practices we've seen. So back at it on Wednesday, we'll bring a podcast uh, for you tomorrow. Thursday's an off day. So remember this new schedule We're following the camp schedule as we post these. So nothing on Thursday, and then we'll be back Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with pods. So just make sure you're subscribed. They'll show up right on your phone, like almost as soon as they post. So get subscribed wherever you listen to your podcast and become a Football Insider subscriber to cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Mary Kay Scott and Ellis, I'll talk to you later.